Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Today is Monday, October 28th. Here's some real estate news while you enjoy your morning coffee. Today doesn't, I'm not focusing on a Canadian piece. Um, actually, a, a piece in Bloomberg.com from Germany. It highlights a trend that's being seen around the world and something we should probably be aware of as rental prices um, r rise in uh, Toronto and in Vancouver and across Canada for that matter. In fact, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and bring up the Toronto third quarter rental market report from RentCanada.com and quickly go over the numbers here. So. Uh, this is MLS data, so this isn't a really comprehensive, this isn't a comprehensive report on the Toronto market, but maybe an indicator, a good indicator anyway, of, um, of the direction that the market's headed. Uh, I don't know that I would trust its exact numbers as what the market's actually doing, but it, I think it definitely serves to show where the markets, where the rental market in Toronto is headed. From July to August this year, we saw a supply of condo apartment rentals at 10,800, which is 17.3% increase from the same time last year. Rents have increased all over the GTA in all types of rental units. Bachelors went up by 2.7% from uh, $1,854 to $1,903. One bedrooms went up 42 5% to $2,262. Two bedrooms went up to uh, went up 4.2% to $2,941. And three bedrooms went up 13.5% to $3,749. The rise in just a year is very dramatic in our increasingly populated city. Although the elevation in prices is not as high as last year uh, from the year before that. Rental for townhouses have also greatly increased in volume and price. As of this quarter, we have 1,260 leased and an increase of 25.6% to last year's 1,003. The average rent of a bachelor went up 61%. One bedroom went up 10%, two bedroom went up 10%, and three bedrooms went up 10% to 2,842. Interesting to note that townhouses are cheaper than condos and rent. Probably because you don't get townhouses in downtown Toronto. <laughs> so that's just to illustrate that there's a significant increase in the rent uh, rental values in, Tor in Toronto and that isn't slowing down I guess that's from from what we hear from the numbers so now to s let's switch over to Berlin again this is from bloomberg.com 
Rowan freezes rents in landmark plan to tackle cost spiral. Berlin's governing party struck a deal to freeze rents for five years, marking one of the most radical plans to tackle spiraling housing costs in a major city and hitting the shares of major apartment owners. The German capital's aggressive efforts to clamp down on rent increases have sparked interest in cities from Amsterdam to New York, while renters' groups in Munich are pushing for a six-year freeze, other German cities have yet to follow Berlin's lead amid concerns that the action could complicate the development of new homes. The deal between Berlin's ruling Social Democrats, Greens, and the Left Party paves the way for the city legislature to approve the measures before bringing them into force in the first quarter of 2020. The final agreement was hashed out during a two-day meeting late last week after months of talk. We're entering new territory, Mayor Michael Mueller said. Others talk about it, but we are actually doing it. The initiative put forward by the left party's Carton Lompshire, head of urban development and housing, is intended to ease the burden on tenants after a property boom caused rents to double over the past decade. The political intervention has spooked investors as a separate campaign attempts to force Berlin's government to expropriate properties from large landlords. One of the biggest losers has been Deutsche Wohnen SE, Berlin's largest apartment owner. The company has lost about a fifth of its market value since the rent freeze plan was announced in June. The shares dropped as much as 4.6% on Monday and were down 2.5% at 11.30 a.m. in Frankfurt. Vonovia SE, Germany's largest property company, fell as much as 1.9%. The planned legislation will make the problem of a lack of apartments in Berlin worse, Vonovia spokesman Nina Henkel said in an emailed statement. Berlin isn't alone in contending with skyrocketing rental prices and a shortage of affordable housing. Spain, uh, Spain's socialist government pushed through a rent cap increase earlier this year, while landlords in Portugal aren't allowed to raise rents on some tenants with low incomes, and New Yorkers won historic rental protections from the de uh, Democrat-controlled state legislature. In Ireland, the government created so-called rent pressure zones in 2016 in an effort to damp down surging rents. The initiative, which caps rent increases to 4% per year, was initially limited mostly to Dublin, but has since expanded to other parts of the country. Critics say the policy has had little impact on the market because loopholes allow landlords to exceed the 4% ceiling. Berlin will only allow landlords to impose an annual inflation-linked rent increase of 1.3% from 2020 and will enable tenants paying excessively high rents to claim a reduction under certain conditions. The legislation expected to be approved this week by the city legislature also permits small increases to cover renovation work. The negotiations described by Lampshire as highly controversial early this month, earlier this month, proceeded amid 
concern, some of the proposals might not be constitution, constitutional. Mueller said he's confident the measures could withstand legal challenges. Other German cities recoiled at the development. Hamburg's mayor, Peter Schentzer, said the only way to avoid further rent increases is to build enough properties to keep pace with demand. Enforced sales and rent freezes will only deter investors from investing in new homes. He was quoted as saying in Sunday's edition of the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung. His sentiment was echoed by a group representing the construction industry in Berlin and Brandenburg. The answer isn't a rent cap, but rather a strong focus on building, F.G. Bao said in an open letter. So, a trend politically is to intervene. And I mean, we've seen political intervention in Ontario, although that's been... It's been dialed back um, with the new conservative government in Ontario. We were capped at 1.8% rental increase. And we have, although 2020 will be 2.2% rent, rent increase. Um, I've never heard of a rent freeze in Ontario, I don't, I mean, I guess essentially that's all that, like this 1.8% and 2.2% allowable rental increases, they're just allowing increases for, to keep pace with inflation. Uh, but I mean, to, um, with what? I can't think. Spain, Spain, Spain. What Spain's doing? Um, so Spain capped the rent on um, in their properties as well. And as well as uh, Portugal, uh, Ireland. Ireland, actually, like that one's pretty loose compared to uh, Ontario has the 4% rent cap per year. But one thing that is interesting is Berlin's uh, says, will enable tenants paying excessively high rents to claim a reduction under certain conditions. And we certainly don't have that in Ontario. So I read this article because it's just a there are there's a trend worldwide. And as certain sentiment grows, we could see we could see it going Ontario going that in that direction. And it's something to be aware of. I still would really love to see more supply, more density come. I was talking with some uh, family and over the weekend and just pointing out the sprawl. Um, you know, I have family who lives in Toronto and 
Toronto needs to densify. Hamilton needs to densify. A lot of these communities are just sprawling. And that's, I mean, as much as it's nice to have new housing, it's not necessarily the answer. They, we need uh, to be able to pack more people into smaller spaces and better use the space we already have. Now that's tough because a lot of people in, in the neighborhoods don't want to see densification. They don't want to see a, a mid-rise apartment building come in. But, I mean, if we want to save our green spaces and we want lower rent, that's the only answer I can think of at the moment. Now, there's building going on in Hamilton, for sure. There's, But again, it's sprawling. And it's keeping pace with the market. So it's you know not the cheapest real estate out there. Although it'll be cheaper now than when it, like if you can get in on pre-sale, it'll probably be a lot cheaper than retail. But this should, I think it'd be fun to see incentives for builders. If you're a builder, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Love to hear where your business is going. Some love to hear about some of the obstacles that you're facing and what you need to make it easier to do business, make it easier to build. Uh, also, for I'd love to talk to, uh, if you know of anybody who develops apartment buildings, I'd love to talk to them, see what it takes for them to, for an apartment developer to target an area as um, profitable and worth attention worth actually starting projects in. You can email me recoffee at joelarnt.ca. So recoffee at j-o-e-l-a-r-n-d-t dot c-a. If you know of anyone, if you know of some builders, send this episode to them. If you know of anyone in the um, big property, like big property property managers, uh, managers who, who manage over a thousand units, over five hundred or a thousand units, uh, email this article to them. I'd love to get their take on the trends that we're seeing worldwide and the struggles that they face here in Ontario with the rent limits that we have already, and what and and how. Um, property managers are navigating those limits. I think one of the toughest things that issues that this highlights is there's a gap between what people are earning and actually make the money that they're making versus what's becoming available in these cities. 
So as demand goes up, these cities really become places that only, you know, people who make a certain income can enjoy. And that's a tough pill to swallow. That's just reality, whether it should be like that or not. I'm not making a comment on that right now. It's just the reality is you can't really enjoy life in certain areas of Toronto unless you make a certain income. And if you make under a specifically large amount of money, it's hard to find comfortable, stable, safe housing in the Toronto area. It's getting, it's even getting tougher in, in Hamilton, you know, a blue collar worker um, is going to still be paying a large chunk of their 50% of their income towards rent, depending on where they decide to rent in Hamilton. So watching all of this, you know, we got in, we got in, we rent, I rent right now because I, I have yet to be convinced otherwise that owning the primary residence, owning our primary residence is a better idea than, uh, let me rephrase that. Right now, I feel like renting in Hamilton, renting your primary residence and owning a, an income property is a better idea than moving directly into the real estate market if, as uh, as a homeowner, unless you're going to house hack and like rent out units or Airbnb a room or something like that. But I think it's smarter f for the first real estate purchase you make in in these markets to be cash flowing rent rental property. And so watching people struggle to find a, a rent, you know, a place to rent that doesn't max out their income, I am more and more convinced that I just need to find, I need to find ways to um, increase my income exponentially. So I am constantly learning, constantly searching out the simplest, doesn't have to be easy, but the simplest ways to make sure that my income is unlimited, to make more money, because I don't like being limited. I don't know who does, but some people just accept it. Some people just accept that they have what they have is what they have and that's all they'll have. And I refuse to accept that. And I'm specifically intentionally hanging out with more and more people who are unwilling to accept those limitations no matter what stage they're at. and learning from them. And that's why I bought my ticket to the Wealth Hacker Conference. I want to be with people who are looking to hack the traditional routes to wealth, 
finding ways to make money that may, we may have never heard of before. There'll be speakers there talking about different ways to invest in real estate, very specific ways to invest in real estate. There'll be speakers there talking about building businesses from the ground up, making it profitable. I mean, having a profitable business is even kind of an uncommon topic. Like I talked to business owners and many of them are just breaking even, or many of them are startups who they're making money, but only because of investor input, they, their revenue hasn't taken off yet. And so it's a struggle to find out how to grow their top line. Well, this is exactly like everything I'm studying right now is growing that top line, growing sales. So I'm excited to be at the Wealth Hacker Conference because that's exactly what Grant Cardone teaches. Grant Cardone will be there, he's headlining it. And then I get to talk to, I get to talk to successful business owners. I get to talk to people who have been through multiple business failures and then finally figured it out. I get to talk to multiple and connect with investors who have built passive portfolios, uh, whether it be in stocks or real estate, and I'll be able to connect with them and learn from them and maybe even do business with them. If you want to go, check out the details, wealthhacker.ca. Three ticket options. Pick your ticket. Enter the promo code REALWEALTH, all one word. And that'll give you 10% off your ticket. So again, wealthhacker.ca. Pick your ticket. Enter promo code REALWEALTH, all one word. You'll get 10% off. And then let me know that you're going. I'd love to meet up. I want to connect with as many people as possible. It's a Monday. Happy Monday.